Recruitment in Treasury has changed since the pandemic. Working from home is now a prerequisite for many candidates, and companies able to offer full remote working have a competitive edge in today's struggle for talent. However, candidates exaggerating their salary requirements will lose out on opportunities. Movement across senior Treasury positions is still slow, and tech and AI skills are increasingly essential. So says recruitment expert Mike Richards, founder and CEO of Treasury Recruitment Company, a specialist consultancy providing Treasury expertise at all levels from analyst to group treasurer, speaking in a recent conversation with me, Sarah Rundell from Treasury Today Group. My name is Mike Richards and I run the Treasury Recruitment Company. When you're um, looking at the market and chatting to your treasurers, what are you hearing about the current recruitment market? Is Treasury struggling to recruit? Treasury is struggling to recruit because I think the way that work has evolved, you know, it was March or February, two or three years ago, now two years ago, whatever. And it was, you know, February, everyone was in the office, everyone was working there. And then two weeks later, it's like, right, offices are closed, work remotely, that's it. And that was it. People were then having to work remotely 100% of the time. And it's been a real transition for people. Now, as we come out of it, not only have treasuries survived, but many of them have thrived and actually come out the other side stronger. And they prove that they don't need to be in the office to be successful. Um, and I think that then feeds into recruitment offices, you know, the recruitment efforts that clients are doing. But there is throwing out all these other questions. So it's things like, uh, how are you going to hire people? This is what was happening, you know, particularly when it was remote working. How would you onboard someone remotely? You know, how are you going to train a junior member of staff? You, you know, it's exceptionally difficult to sit with someone, even in the office, when you're going, right, do this, do this. But to do it remotely and to then also support them for their mental health as well. These are, you know, junior people just coming on board, trying to get involved in it. That that was real. Um, yeah, really, really tough, actually, on a lot of treasurers. Uh, I think the US, I think, as I said earlier, that work-life plan, I think people have proved they don't need to work five days a week in the office. No one does. And the pandemic has certainly proved that. But I think, you know, how many days is your preference as an employer versus an employee? And we do this in our global salary survey where we're asking, how many days do you you know, currently work in the at home and in the office. How many days do you want to work, or does your boss want you to work, or your in company? And how many days do you want to work? And there's actually quite a discrepancy. That you know, you've got people saying, "Yeah, we're happy to come in two days a week," but a lot of employers are going to move it back to the five days a week. And I think, really, you know, what? Wh- why can't you be flexible? The thing is that you don't need to. It, you know, it, it's it's being enforced and i think one of the things is that there's that competition for talent and it's you know it's pretty fierce because the power has shifted you know it used to be an employer's market and some people have sort of said oh now are all the employees doing it it's not but at the end of the day an employee uh, ultimately they don't have to move jobs and so as an employer rather you have to make like an irresistible proposition you know, I've, I wrote about it in an article, actually, I've got it up here and, and we've republished it. It's like where I said, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. Now, I did that and wrote that before the pandemic because people were still saying, well, you know, well, they don't want to come and join us. I was like, well, they don't. You know, it's like, you know, you've got to sell that to them. 
and they won't work for you. You know, you've got to sort of try and work with candidates. I was working with a consultancy, uh, American consultancy, a number of years ago, and they said, oh, this is going to be our interview process. We're going to do this case study at stage one, and we're going to do this. I went, I'm sorry, I can't recruit for you. They went, what? I said, nobody works like that. I said, if you're interviewing a, a junior consultant to come and work for you guys, you need to sell the dream to them. Uh, you know, you've got to actually say, have an interview with them, uh, maybe have a coffee or get one of the junior members and stuff, say what it's like to work there. And then once they're engaged in the process, maybe second or third stage, that's when you can move to sort of the next level to, you know, qualify them. And maybe then you get to an offer. Otherwise, people won't want the job, as it were. You've talked a little bit about the, the trends there, that this hunt for talent is triggering. What else are you seeing that's new or slightly concerning for you regarding the current recruitment market? One of the key things I think for you as an employer is, you know, rather than engage your team and asking them, and again, the pandemic has proved this, is that instead of saying, you know, every six months, let's do a review, see how you are. Well, it's not every six months. It's not every three months. I'm asking my team daily, how are you feeling? You know, because that's what the competition's about. Uh, and I think that's actually quite out of the skill set or the wheelhouse for many treasury professionals because they've never been trained on that. So I think that's something that the better you can do that, the more you can engage with your team, the better, because it's, you know, it's just going to help you really. It's much more that employees, if you like, are in a position where it's a more balanced decision for them and they're not sort of feeling pressurized into taking a role. Uh, the market's getting better, as we said, uh, and I think, you know, then there's this, you know, added element, you know, the, the, the first questions we get asked now are about, you know, what's the job, where is it, and how much does it pay? Well, that was five years ago, because now the, the additional question that's usually a bit further up is, and what's the working from home or flexible working policy? If someone had come into my office to work for us five years ago, and they're going to flexible, get out of my office. What are you doing, please? Um, now I've got to go, right, uh, well, we can be fully flexible uh, or this role, and we have a mixture ourselves. You know, I've got two people that work 100% from home. Now we have regular Zoom calls and regular catch-ups and some face-to-face, but I think that, you know, a number of employers need to work out what their policy is around it because, you know, I've got one of my clients, if I think back, uh, there's a client of mine in New York, and he was sort of saying that his boss, the CFO, lives in downtown New York, and he's got this challenge because their CFO, they've got lovely offices. He'd like everyone back in the same place. Totally understand why. But these guys have worked for two years remotely from home, the two treasury managers. They're saying now, right, we want you to come back in. Now, the CFO, it's a five-minute walk, get his coffee, thanks very much. Whereas they live an hour and a half each way away from the office. So you're suddenly saying to them, right, we want you to go back to likely 15 hours travel a week a day and a half of travel just to come to do the job that you've done for two years remotely, very effectively. Now, I can understand why there might be one or maybe two days, but I think that's the thing is, you know, it, it's that's going to be a competitive, as I said, advantage or disadvantage, really. What makes a good treasurer? It depends. It depends on who you're recruiting for, uh, who the company is, what they do, what the pressures are on that company. Um, it may depend on the background of the CFO and the board that are hiring um, and their perspective, if you like. Um, you know, some people ask again on the weekly podcast, 
should I have a treasury qualification? <laughs> and the answer is it depends. You know, a lot of the US clients say, I want CTP, their US version of, you know, the treasury qualifications. Um, and then someone else said, actually, I'm a CFA or a qualified accountant. It, every one of them, you know, it depends. I mean, to give a practical example, because I, I try and make it related. Um, back in the pandemic, there was a, a guy looking for a job, really great guy. But he said to me, oh, I've applied for 113 jobs. I was like, of course you have. And he went, no, here's my spreadsheet. I was like, goodness, what had happened? But I think what he he was just spray and pray. He'd actually said to lots of people, look, just send my CV, resume, get it out there and stuff. I said, no, you've got to look at what you're good at and how you're going to match one or two of these roles. And we identified one in particular in the sort of healthcare pharmaceutical sector. And one of the things I said to him, look, we, we got that role. So what do they need in that? And where does it match up with your skill set? And, you know, they were looking for someone strong in people management because we looked at their LinkedIn profile and realized that their deputy treasurer had left or was on maternity leave. So they were like, right, there's a big gap between them and the team. I said, so let's put this in your resume about how great you are managing people. Uh, this was they they just made their first real international acquisition, very domestically US focused. Now they were global and international. Their foreign exchange program didn't really exist. You know, it was a new thing for them. So we focused in on that. And I was pleased to say he didn't get the role, but he did come second in the entire process, whereas before he wasn't even getting interviews. And it was because, you know, it's that targeted, you know, as um, Jim Collins said before, it's, you know, fire bullets, not cannonballs, where you're just actually targeting your job search and i think that's also when you're recruiting you know treasurers and things we we help a lot of our clients work on what the job description is and someone's saying this to me, oh it's about the job i said it's not actually about the job description what, what i said it's that and also a person specification who's the right person to fill your role because a lot of clients go oh yeah we'll just get a treasurer and just on that point you were talking about that candidate are you seeing enough people apply for treasury jobs is treasury getting better known as a career path yeah i think i think it is um where do you go from some of the roles i think in the past there would have been too much specialism if you like and and not broad enough talking to the business i think that's what i've seen certainly and when i first started the podcast like 4 years ago when i was talking to treasurers they were talking about how much their focus their spotlight if you like has moved away from just looking at treasury just looking at the rest of now okay let's work with the business you know i talk to treasurers now and they say oh yeah i spend a load of my time get my team up to get right they're up to speed okay and then i work with the business i go and meet them and say right what are your pain points what are your headaches how can i help you and the treasurers i've seen that have effectively done that the ones that really you know leapt up and springboarded their careers because everyone in the business knows them and it means that they can also maybe become the CFO at a later stage and everything else. So, you know, I think that's, you know, certainly key. And in terms of demand, supply demand, if that's the right way, when we were pre-pandemic, you know, I'd see jobs come out and it might be a treasurer job and it would go onto LinkedIn and they were getting 150 applications. And you're like, well, good luck with that because, you know, you don't want to, if they're going to get that, that's great for them. But then, as the pandemic hit or we started to come out of that, what I started to see was 150, then it was 50, then it was five, and now it's two applications. And like, oh, where did everyone go? They didn't go anywhere. The point is they don't need a job with you. And that's, uh, you know, and I've not, I, I try and avoid the sales pitch on this, but 
you know, people ask me, well, what, why bother to talk to you guys at the, at the Treasury Recruitment Company? I said, well, because we we do represent candidates who are actively looking for a role, but we're talking to Treasury professionals who aren't necessarily looking for a role. You know, I did this at Windy City Summit a couple of years ago in Chicago, and I said to this room full of people, I said, look, how many of you are actively looking for a role if you're comfortable to put your hand up? And, you know, four or five hands went up out of 100. I said, okay, I come to you with the perfect position. It's the next career step. Just please, honestly, you know, would you answer my phone call? doesn't mean you're moving. And like sort of 80 hands went up. And I said, okay, for the other 20 of you, I know your boss is sitting next to you, so we can talk after you leave the room. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah. I said, I said but, you know, that's the point, is it's you know the, called the passive uh, marketplace, if you like. Most treasury professionals are seeking the next role. They're not in active job search mode. They don't need to be in this market. So that's one of the key things. And what about pay? Could you talk a little bit about treasury pay? And is it subject to the salary inflation that we're hearing about? I was asked by a CFO a number of years ago, uh, Derek, amazing CFO. He said, Mike, how shall I reward my treasurer? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, how do you reward success for a treasurer? Is it de-risk everything? Is it make lots of profit? Is it this? And and the answer was, Derek, I said, I don't know. And he said, oh, well, I said, no, it's got to be, you know, an amalgam of what, you know, you as a company value, you know, is it de-risking your balance sheet at, at the utmost and getting rid of everything and all the risks, or is it taking certain positions and everything else? I said, again, going back to my earlier answer, it depends on what you are as a company, in more general terms, salaries are rising rapidly. There was obviously the you know a pause, if you like, during pandemic, and but now as you come out of it, we've got inflation globally, if you like, in many different markets. So it's an interesting one. I think we see greater acceleration. We do our global salary survey at treasurysalary.com. I know you guys have very kindly featured it before and hopefully feature again. We run that now on more or less a quarterly, a half yearly basis. Someone said, oh, when does it stop? When do you do it? We never stops. It constantly rolls. We constantly update the results. So, you know, it's constantly up to date because the market is rapidly changing. But I think, you know, junior treasury professionals at the analyst manager level, they're able to really, you know, hike up their salaries because they're in high demand. So it's supply and demand. But then actually, once you get to a certain level, there's sort of a a glut, if you like. There's quite a lot of, uh, you know, treasury professionals at the mid to higher level. You know, there are 100, FTSE 100 treasurer jobs. And a lot of those guys aren't moving. And guys and girls, they're they're saying, "Uh, no, I don't need to move. So there's a bit of a logjam there. And, you know, if I put a, you know, senior treasurer position out, I get an influx of response, some very, very good people, but you'll have 10 really great people all frustrated, you know, nine of them going, oh, I'm not going to get this. So that's where there can sometimes be a little bit pushback on salary, although in the current market, I've seen it really improve. Um, So, you know, salaries are getting a lot better. Uh, It's like different in the US because you're great example. You're not allowed to ask someone their salary in the US. Also, you're allowed to ask what their salary expectation is, but not what their salary is. So uh, it's to redress the gender imbalance. And I, I, I think that's a great thing to do. But I do think that sometimes it's a little bit of a, it's a challenging situation because I was recruiting end of last year in Texas, brilliant guy. And I actually knew his salary, which was quite frustrating because I said, oh, what, what's your salary expected? $150,000. It was a big, big step up, about 40% increase in what he was on. And I said, oh, look, 
you know, do you want me to go to the client with this? Yes, yes, I want you to. I said, well, okay, I, I tried to manage his expectation. No, please go to them with it. Went to them. They said, no, we're not going to proceed with him. And then he came back, oh, actually, I'll take 130. Can you go back? And I went, well, I can. Went back to the client. And sure enough, they went, well, no, no, I, we don't want to proceed with him. We feel that feel that he's not been dishonest, but we feel he's oversold himself. And he was the lead candidate. They went, no, we're not going to proceed with him. He was really gutted. Oh, I said. So I said, I think there needs to be a balance, and it was very difficult because of a you know challenge because I knew his salary, if you like. So I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, that's one of the one of the key things, really. And just any last final thoughts? So. Um, I think one thing that I've heard, you know, before the past few years, but just more generally in treasury terms is um, whether AI, RPA, robots, are they going to replace us in treasury? They're not. Um, What they have done is taken over many more of the routine roles and routine jobs, if you like. And the more that people have used that, one of my junior candidates, he, he, he studied decided to study Python programming because he said, oh, I, I can use it in my day-to-day role. And I was it was buried at the bottom of his CV. I went, whoa, whoa, that's coming to the top. He said, why? I said, you use this because it was boring, mundane, routine stuff, and you actually wanted to use this. Yeah. I said, well, let's get it up there. And literally within, within minutes, he was hired. Mike, thank you so much for such fascinating insights. You've been listening to an editorial podcast with Mike Richards from the Treasury Recruitment Company and me, Sarah Rondell. Don't forget to subscribe to the Treasury Today podcast channel to get further episodes in this series. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.